What's up, everybody? We're back. We're live with another episode of the Compassionate Viking Podcast. I am your host, Tyler Stanway. In today's episode, we have the one and only Sean Baker. For those who do not know, he is the founder of the Carnivore Diet. He has a resume of all resumes. He's a world record holder. He's a multiple-time world champion in the Highlander Games. He is an MD. He is an all-around inspiring, admirable man. So it's really awesome that I had the honor to have him on my podcast and share the information with the world. So that's that's really cool. I'm I'm happy about how this podcast is going. I've gotten a ton of feedback on all sorts of different episodes and all in all what I'm seeing is it's working. We're learning together. We're growing together. We're starting to connect with one another. We're contacting each other. We're bouncing off ideas and questions. And this is it. This is how we build a community of like-minded people who, at the end of the day, just want to be left the fuck alone and give us our freedom. And with freedom comes massive respo- massive amounts of responsibility. So we need to learn to do everything ourselves if we want to be totally free. Because the opposite of that is prison, where you don't have any responsibility and you get three meals a day, you get lights on, you don't have to pay bills, you can fucking play cards with the homies, you can shit, piss, beat off, do whatever you want, whenever you want, and life's good, right? Well, maybe for some, but for me, that's not true. And I think most people, it's not true, because if it was, you'd go try to purchase tickets to go to prison from Ticketmaster rather than doing illegal, lawful things, or unlawful things, rather. So... Let's get right on into the herb of the week. We're going to do anise hyssop is what it's called. And it's spelled A-N-I-S-E-H-Y-S-S-O-P. I had heard about this a few times in some of the books and podcasts, but I hadn't ever seen it or taken it or even been around it. So I had no idea what the fuck it was. And then back at the farmer's market that I would go to last summer, One of the regenerative farms that go there. Well, the same place I I got my calendula from. They they were selling it. And I was like, oh shit, I remember this. So I'm going to get some. So I did and I planted it. And it grew well. I ended up harvesting it but not doing anything with it. Because I didn't really know what to do. So this year I need to pay more attention. Because it is going to grow again. It's a perennial. It seems like it's living through the winter. So I have a feeling this spring it's going to grow, which means that I need to make sure I learn how to harvest it and use it properly. Otherwise, I'm just letting medicine go to waste. So it says, anise hyssop is also known as blue giant hyssop, lavender giant hyssop, elk mint, and licorice mint. It belongs to the, the mint family. It is native to northern and central North America. Its edible use is... It says it can be used as a sweetener and to make a tea. It can be used as flavoring or seasoning. And the leaves and flowers can be eaten fresh, cooked, or dried. So that's cool. We always like a new way of flavoring something or sweetening something without having to use bleached, refined sugar. Because obviously that's bad. If anything, try to just use raw honey if nothing else. At least that's my go-to. 
says medicinal use. It's good for the for a healthy heart, angina pain. So I don't know what angina pain is. Apparently there's no V in front of the A, so I don't know what that word is. But it's good for that. It says an infusion of anise hyssop is a tonic for the heart and a quick remedy for angina pain. What the fuck is angina pain? <laughs> I'm going to have to figure that one out. It says sores, wounds, and burns. For skin infection wounds and burned skin, use a poultice of anise hyssop leaves. Soak dried leaves or bruise fresh leaves and flowers and apply them directly on the infected area. Cover with a clean cloth. Anise hyssop leaves have antibacterial and antiviral properties. It says it facilitates indigestion. Drinking anise hyssop tea with meals eases digestion and prevents excessive gas and bloating. It helps with diarrhea. Anise hyssop tea is helpful in relieving diarrhea. The tea works best if continued through the day, even after the diarrhea has been successfully eliminated. Continuing to sip occasionally prevents the return of diarrhea. So it says sore, sore muscles and anxiety. Try gathering three to four tablespoons of anise hyssop leaves in a square of cheesecloth and hang it from the faucet while drying or while drawing a bath. The scent released as the water flows calms the spirit. When the bath is ready, drop the herbs into the bath water and soak your sore muscles in the bath. Maybe that's what I need to do after jujitsu when I can harvest these leaves in the summertime probably. I'll take a fucking Epsom salt bath and I'll put these leaves in it and then that will help my joints because I do hurt. I guess I guess that's the price we pay to be savage, right? You got to have a little bumps and bumps and bruises and some sore aches and pains if you want to be able to fucking kick ass and take names. Says colds, flu, bronchial congestion. Anise hyssop tea helps expel mucus from the lungs, making it a good choice for treating colds, flu, and congestion. Says herpes. Try anise hyssop essential oil externally in antiviral treatment for herpes simplex 1 and 2 and drink the tea to treat the virus internally. So, you know, they tell you that there's like... For people who do have herpes, they tell you that there's no fucking cure or anything you can do. They make it out to be this crazy thing like you're going to die from. In this book alone, we've we've already covered like a bunch that says that they help with it. So maybe none of them eradicate it, but at least you can fucking, you know, essentially make it go away. Poison ivy. Wash the skin in a nice hyssop infusion to help relieve the itchiness of poison ivy. Here you go, jujitsu guys and blue-collar workers who are in work boots all day. Athlete's foot, fungal skin infections, yeast overgrowth. Soak the foot or infected area in a bath with a strong infusion of anise hyssop. Soak daily until the infection is cured. All right. And then it says some recipes, which is just teas and infusions. So anise hyssop. Apparently there's a lot more uses than I even knew and being that it's growing I'm gonna have to harvest it and use some of these things and when I do I'll make sure to relay that information back to you guys so you can see how it went with that being said 
let's go get on to the fucking podcast with the one and only Sean Baker. Hey guys, I want to talk to you about my friends out at NFS Company in Colorado Springs. My buddy George and I got a hold of each other through Instagram because we shared the same beliefs, same morals, same values. He stands behind honor and integrity, and he's a salt-of-the-earth fucking man just like me. So because of that, the universe made us link up, and now we're working together. He's the best firearms dealer around. I recently just got a Glock 19 FDE, and it was shipped here in two days from Colorado. So you can't fucking beat that. However, I live in Washington, so I have to wait 10 days to get it anyways. But on his end of the deal, it was top-notch. They're selling guns, they're selling ammo, they're selling optics, they got fucking tactical gear, they got suppressors, they even got their own private range for professional instructors. If any of you guys are looking for preparedness for firearms training, they currently got a 10th group special forces guy doing all their instructions. This spring, they're going to be opening a shoot house and an NVG course, or courses rather. If any of you guys are interested on doing their classes, you can find their schedule on Instagram at nofuckingslack.co. This February, so next month, they're going to be having a grand opening for their store. So if anyone's out in the Colorado area or by Colorado Springs, I highly suggest you going over to NFS Company and checking them out. If any of you guys are interested in learning more, you can go on Instagram at nofuckingslack.co or you can go on their online website at www.nfsshootingsupply.com. That's www.nfsshootingsupply.com. Go check them out. That's no fucking slack. Hi, man. Good to have you, Tyler. Good to yeah, see you, man. right on. We're here. We're here with uh, the one and only Dr. Sean Baker. Uh, I'd like to I'd like to preface this with saying thankful or thank you very much for allowing me to have you on my podcast. Um, I find that I have I have been hanging out with more admirable people in my life, and you happen to be one of them. So, with that being said, I appreciate it very much. I first learned about you actually on Joe Rogan podcast uh, a couple years back. Have you been on there once or twice? No, once so far. Yeah. Okay, once. Yeah. So I was listening to it at work, welding, and obviously it sparked my interest. But I didn't watch, like the I didn't watch it just to, yeah. over the right. you know audio. And so I had known about it about you for a little bit, and then. Shit! What about a year ago? Yeah, you yeah. came to the jujitsu gym, right? Yeah. But I, but I didn't know. I remember sitting down, just an, another white belt walking in, and then one time we had rolled, and I had said something to Greg. I'm like, dude, that guy is so fucking strong, <laughs> and he's like, bro, of course he is. And I go, what do you mean? And he goes, that's Doctor Sean Baker. And I go, like the carnivore diet guy. And he goes, yeah. I go, no fucking way. He goes, yeah. I go, shit, I had no idea. I mean, I knew who you were, but I guess if you don't have a face. And uh, so then we were kind of going, and I'm like, I didn't know that he lives up here, you know? 
And then we started talking. You moved up from, you said, Orange County? Yeah, yeah, California, yeah. And fucking showed up to the jiu-jitsu gym, and now we're training partners. Right, yeah. Well, and just to click, Tyler always kicks my ass when we're in there, by the way. I like, I like rolling with you because I, that's what I like. I like, you know, training with people that can improve me. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. And, uh, um, yeah, we've been here about a year. And that has been, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a little bum right now because I can't get in as much as I want to. You know, it's like I, it's when I do sports, I'm like, I want to be all in, but it's been really hard this year to, to do that. But, uh, yeah, it's been, been a lot of fun. So it is. And I really appreciate it too. I mean, I'm not a big guy. You're a pretty big, big guy. Um, I weigh about one e about 180 right now. Yeah, yeah. What about you? I'm about 260 right about now. About 260. So yeah, yeah, fucking yeah. 80 pounds. <laughs> And <clears throat> I'm actually about 20 pounds heavier than we last rolled. So, okay. So I'm a little bit bigger right now. But Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> great. <laughs> Just great. But I appreciate it as well because I don't typically find people who are a substantial amount larger than me who are in physical shape. Mm. So if they're, you know, 60 pounds more than me, but they're fucking chewed bubble gum, right. then the roll is... You know, once you get the ladybug on his back, it's not too hard to keep him there. <laughs> but I remember, uh, because I'm a littler guy, if I go with someone who's who's larger than me, I can't smash them. Mm. You know, that that just doesn't work. I tried to do that with Craig one time when I was first learning. Yeah. And it's like, uh, no, you don't smash Craig. Right, yeah. You have to run around Craig. I remember one time you had launched, I had you in mount. And you launched me off, and typically I would just windshield wiper to a, a neon belly if I get launched off. You fucking launched me so hard I couldn't get my knee to touch, and we both ended up standing up. And I was like, "Fuck!" Now we got to get down again. Yeah. So yeah, that's really cool. So for the listeners out there who haven't heard of you or who you are, why don't we give a little bit of background of yourself, and then and then what you're what you're known for. Yeah, so I mean, um, I am an orthopedic surgeon by training. So I went, did the standard route, went to, went to college, got a biology degree. Uh, I, well, kind of a little bit. I, I, ju- I started out in medical school down in Texas. I left about a year into it to play professional rugby. So I left to go to New Zealand, play rugby for, for, uh, for a while. And I did that for about seven years. And I jumped back into medical school, finished out, um, you know, finished out my education. And then I went into the military because they had paid for it. And then so I spent. Uh, five years as a military physician and part of that time deployed Afghanistan. So I did all kinds of, you know, the crazy, you know, war trauma stuff, went into private practice, was humming along. I was ahead of a head of a big surgical group. Uh, and then I started to, to start thinking about health in my own, you know, my own life. Cause I was like, I'm, I was 40 something. I was like, I'm starting to get like the typical 40 year old shit, you know, it's like overweight, you know, not, you know, sleep apnea, high, you know, high blood pressure. I was like, this is bullshit. I don't want to do that. I'm an athlete. I was still competing as an athlete at the time. Doing rugby? No, I was doing Highland Games at that time. So I was a world champion in Highland Games uh, as a master's athlete. Okay. So I was, I was, what, I, what is Highland Games for the listeners? So it's a Scottish game where you would put a kilt on and you throw the big, you know, giant logs like cabers yep. and you shot put things. And so I was, I was about 290 pounds when I was competing in that. So I was a bit bigger even than I am now. And I was just like, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I just, I'm not comfortable where I am physically, health wise, and so. Uh, at that point, I, I decided, well, I'm going to start messing with nutrition because I was already training. I was training hard. I've always trained hard and very efficiently. And I was running, I was still running sprints at 290. And um, as I started to, 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 to play with different dietary strategies, it eventually led me to a kind of a more of a low carb approach, paleo low carb approach. And then um, as a surgeon, 
I had patients that we needed to lose weight for to, to make them safe for joint replacements because they would come in with their knee replacement. And they'd be, you know, 100 pounds overweight. And, and those patients are more likely to have blood clots, to have infections, to have uh, wounds that don't heal. And so you want to avoid that if at all possible. So we, as a collective, you know, uh, community of surgeons in that local area. When I was in, this is in Albuquerque, New Mexico, we all decided, hey, we're not going to operate on these people if they're above a certain BMI. We need to get them down there. So I was trying to, you know, you know try to find ways to help people lose weight. So I started them on these low carb and ketogenic diets. And what I discovered was, you know, many of them, not all of them did it. Many of them wouldn't do it. Some of them do it, did. And, but, but many of the ones that did do it, um, they were like, you know, you're, they're on the schedule for a knee replacement because they had horrible x-rays and horrible pain. They do the diet, and they're like, well, my knee doesn't hurt anymore. And I'm like, well, then shit, you don't need the surgery, right? Yeah. So I started getting into that, and I got really excited about it. I was like, cool, we can, we can avoid these surgeries. Well, um, that's not how a hospital operates. They don't, they don't want you to cancel surgeries. They want <laughs> you to do more, right? Yeah. So I was like, I was, I was talking to the hospital administration, and I said, hey, guys, I want to spend one half a day a week just doing lifestyle counseling. You know, that was my, I was really excited about it. I was yeah. like, this is great. Everybody's going to be excited about that. And, and the answer was, uh, no, we don't want you to do that. What and, the and, fuck? Right, right. So then, then I started, well, what, why is that? Why is that? Because it's just about money, right? So then I went on, and, and, you know, long story short, I ended up leaving practice because I was like, I just can't ethically do this anymore. Um, and got into, and so I, uh, you know, I got into diet. And then I eventually, as I was progressing my own diet, I found these, these crazy, weird people that were just eating meat online. Uh, and I was like, what the fuck is that? It's yeah. just like, it's like, this is weird. This is crazy. I thought it was crazy. Yeah. But, you know, I, I kind of learned enough about nutrition to know that a lot of what we thought was necessarily not based on the best science. I said, well, about after about a year after observing these crazy people all getting better, I said, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to give it a try. And mm -hmm. so back in, what's it? It's 2023 now. So back in 2016, um, I did a month. I said, I'm just going to eat nothing but meat for a month. And I was like, you know, I'm going to have a heart attack. I'm going to get scurvy. My colon's going to fall out because I don't have any fiber in my diet. And literally none of that happened. I was just like, I feel great. This is the best I felt. But like all the aches and pains I had as a, as a, as a now almost 50-year-old went away. I was right before my 50th birthday I did this. And I was like, shit, this is a, literally the best I felt in, in years. And then, you know, I did it for a month. And then I was like, um, okay, that was a neat experiment. I went back to my more regular mixed diet and I immediately felt worse. I was okay. like, this isn't good. I don't like feeling bad. So I, I, you know, I jumped back on the diet again and, and, you know, I've basically been on it now for almost seven years. And in that time, I mean, my athletic performance has gone up. I mean, I set world records on the rowing machines. Uh, my strength has gone up tremendously, even though I was training the same. I never changed my training. It's just higher quality nutrition and uh, and so I wrote a book called The Carnivore Diet. The, the publisher actually contacted me. I had no plans on writing a book. I was never, I'm not an author. I don't even like writing. Yeah. But they constantly said, hey, Dr. Baker, could you please write a book for us on this? And I said, right, okay, I'll try. So I wrote it and it actually sold pretty well. So I think it's got at least 100,000 sales at least wow. or maybe more. So it's doing pretty well. Um, and then, of course, I went on Rogan, and, and then that, you know, obviously exposes a lot of people to you. Right. And then every vegan on the planet became, you know, enraged. <laughs> Anti-Sean right, right. It's, like, it's like, hey, there's a guy that's out here telling people to eat meat. He's, he must be the devil incarnate. And I'm just like, man, I'm just helping, trying to help people get healthier. And, yeah. and, and this is what I'm doing. So we founded a company called Rivero. Uh, it's, it's, it's had a couple names, but we've changed. We've settled on this thing called Rivero. And, I mean, we literally... I mean, take people with chronic disease and we fix them. We get them off meds. We get them off their drugs. We fix their disease. And I'm super excited about the fact that we're going to be, uh, um, you know, launching in all 50 states later this year. So that's going to be really cool that we can accept patients. And you can have a doctor that will 
treat the root cause, you know, use nutrition to the fullest extent with a goal of getting off meds and curing your disease rather than just here's another pill, you know? Yeah. Right? That's fantastic. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's really cool. That's really cool. I've seen shit, even like UFC fighters. Mm-hmm. Now I see doing a carnivore diet. I think right, the right. most recent one I was watching was Chad Mendez. Yeah. Yeah. Psoriasis real bad. Yeah. Chad contacted me uh, about, I don't know, about a year ago now. And he said, Hey, tell me about this carnivore diet. So I just told him the deal. We had a phone call, and, and, you know, he went with it. And, you know, you see pictures. His psoriasis is literally pretty much just about gone completely. Yeah. So he kind of, you know, he's on it, and he's, he's kind of on it, and then he's off it. And I think um, the nice thing is, you know, what people don't understand is you can use it as a wonderful elimination tool. I mean, and that's what we'll do. We'll put people on it for three, six months, cure whatever issue they have, and then they'll, they'll incorporate some things back in. And, you know, like Greg, you know, at, you know from, from Jiu-Jitsu, yeah. Greg Anderson. He's doing steak and apples and eggs, and that works fine for him, and that's great. I mean, yeah. But it's, I mean, it's really the nice thing about it is because I mean, I think honestly, I mean, we we just everybody's eating processed garbage. I mean, yeah. we're eating human pet food basically. I mean, it's the cheapest, least nutritionally uh, uh, redeeming food out there, and that's everybody eats it because it tastes good and it's cheap, and it's just killing people. It's literally destroying you know, not only people's health, but our, the, the whole fabric of society is yeah. crumbling because all these people, I just saw a stat today, 24% of Americans right now are on meds for, for mental for mental illness. It's one out of four people. Wow. Every fourth people you see is on meds for, 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 for mental, mental illness. So no wonder, I mean, social media is like it is no matter the interactions you get with people. They're just, they're just, their brain is broken. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that's crazy. It's crazy because I just seen what like a week ago some and I don't I didn't look into it so maybe it's not true but the amount of times I've seen pretty credible people repost it I'm going to say it probably is something about the fucking lucky charms being more yeah, more yeah. Nu- nutritious than a fucking steak Yeah that came out of Tufts University and uh uh Darius Mozafarian uh, was one of the lead authors on it and he has also got an appointment at the White House as one of the nutritional advisors and so um, basically, you know, they, they, it was called, the, I think, the food compass. And basically they were saying, you know, these are foods you should never eat or should rarely eat. And it was like eggs and beef and, and the foods you should eat. And they have like, you know, pineapple and heavy, heavy, heavy corn syrup. I mean, ranked above that. And so, you know, it was, a guy named Ty Beal was a nutritionist. And he basically took data from the actual study and, and made that little chart. So it wasn't, that wasn't the actual chart, but the data was there. And so he used the actual data from the study. And this is, you know, kind of what their recommendation. So he's, he was, he was, he was showing some of the outrageous examples from there. So somebody would get the impression that if I eat Lucky Charms and pineapple and heavy syrup, and I don't eat eggs and, and, and beef, I'm going to be a healthy person, which is obviously complete you know, rubbish. Right. It's garbage. Yeah. Right. Of course, yeah. yeah. But you know, to, uh, these broken families where dad's not around and mom works two jobs and the kids coming home after school and seeing whatever he's seeing or she's seeing on the internet, you know, does she have the wherewithal or the common sense or he rather to, to know that that is bullshit? No, probably no, not. Probably not. That's where I see it becoming an issue because someone like you or me or, you know, a- any one of us right. can look at it and pick up bullshit from a mile away. But then, is everyone like that? Yeah, well, it's, it, here's something that's really disturbing. So Iowa right now, their legislature is passing, or is looking to pass a bill that would forbid people on assistance to the SNAP program for mm-hmm. low-income housing or low, low-income families from using it to buy meat. Are you serious? Serious, yeah. It's, it's literally in Iowa, which is, which is interesting because Iowa is a, a huge uh, agricultural state, and they produce a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, uh, you know, animal products. And so, 
It's interesting that we have people that are like, you know, we don't want these poor people to have access to high-quality nutrition. What are you going to eat? Cheerios? I mean, what, what the hell are you going to feed them? You know, it's crazy. Bugs now, right? Right. The bugs, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fucking the bugs. bugs. Yeah. Uh, that's a whole other thing. I mean, I think I've talked to you about that before with, mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. with them pushing that, but it's not like a sustainable thing. Or the cost or something? Like, how are they really going to convince the population to quit eating meat Although Bill Gates says he's going to make synthetic lab-grown meat and then eat bugs. And it seemed satire because I, I have a Klaus Schwab book. <laughs> and so, you know, it's been in the books. And so maybe like a few years ago, I used to say a satire. Oh, they're going to put us in a 10 by 10 box, mm-hmm. put a computer chip in our brain and feed us bugs. Yeah. And everyone would be like, ha, ha, ha. And then now you see some commercials with the Kardashians or a fucking Iron Man who's yeah, push, yeah. pushing Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, yeah. cockroaches and yeah. cricket juice and all this stuff. And it's mm-hmm. like, are we really, is that where we're at? Um, I mean, there's going to be people that are going to try to do that. I mean, there's a, there's a whole, I mean, you know, what it is is, you know, right now, like, you know, the, the, the protein market. So uh, the, the meat industry worldwide is about a one and a half trillion dollar industry. So it's huge. I mean, it's, you know, everybody in the world eats meat, right? Yeah. For the most part, if they can't, if they can afford it. And so they're trying to carve out, you know, 20% of that in the alternative, alternative protein. So they're looking at whatever, you know, fungi, you know, ground up soybeans, bugs, cell cultured meat. It's just about making money. And, and so they'll greenwash it. They'll tell you, oh, it's better for the planet. It's better for your health, which is all bullshit, by the way. Uh, so they're just looking, they're just looking for the markets. And uh, even the big meat companies in the United States, Cargill, Tyson, uh, the other two, which are Brazilian owned, JBS and uh, National Beef, are also investing in these alternative proteins because at the end of the day, if they can make a product that you're willing to eat that, that has low cost for them, mm-hmm. they're going to sell it. I mean, they're going to, yeah, it's just, that's the market. It's just like cut your costs. Cost of goods sold equals more profit, you know, if you can cut those costs down. So but it doesn't matter about your integrity, no, moral, or no, anything. No, 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 it doesn't. None of that comes into play. It's how much profit can you make, you know, and if you can get people that are gullible enough and stupid enough to eat, you know, cricket powder or, you know, ground up soybean meal, um, and, you know, people will do it. I mean, you see what marketing can do. I mean, we know, you know how invasive uh, the, our, you know, this, this, this uh, social media, the Google stuff is. It, you, know, it, it, you know, it shapes your worldview and your mind. And That's you, crazy. You're seeing what they're doing. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. There are people out there literally. I mean, they, you could tell them the sun is actually pink and they would believe you because some studies said because, oh, I saw it on the news. Yeah, we've been, we've, we thought it was we thought it was yellow for you know you know you know twenty million years, but now it's well, it must be pink. Yeah, it must be pink. They Even though when I look at it, it's yeah. still yellow, but right. I know it's actually pink. Right, right. It's, it's, this is Orwellian stuff where mm-hmm. you just you just you just don't believe the eyes in front of you. Right? Double speak right, or whatever sure. whatever they call it. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not a doctor, so I'm going to ask someone <laughs> higher credential than me, and maybe you know, maybe you don't know. Yeah. Is is Whey protein, cricket protein, or plant protein, are they all the same? Do they do they all affect our, our human body the same way? I mean, like, do we process it the same way? Well, it's interesting because, I mean, there are, there's actually information, there's something called the PDCAS, and the, which has been replaced by the diacid. PDCAS stands for protein digestibility amino acid score, corrected amino acid score, I think, and uh, the diast, what they do is they look at how much protein actually gets absorbed in your body. Mm-hmm. So there's something called the digestibility of indispensable amino acid score, which is a new one. And they look at how much 
uh, protein gets to what's called the ileum, which is the end of your small intestine. And that's where they say where it's all, where it's been absorbed by. And when they look at plant proteins, like whey protein is almost always at the top of the list. It's, it is, is the most absorbed from a protein standpoint. And then, you know, the, the best plant protein would be soy protein. And then it goes, you know, then it goes all these other ones, which are, you know, it's like, um, you know, if whey protein is a hundred percent, soy might be, you know, 90 or 85 percent and then like corn and wheat and all these other proteins are like 30 percent 40 percent so there's a huge i haven't seen cricket protein analyzed in that way so far i'm not sure yeah um but crickets you know I, I've, I've talked about what, what are some of the problems with bugs but um the other thing that's interesting and i'll talk about it is because you know i'm not a huge proponent of protein powders and things like that because we're not designed to, to eat powder mm-hmm. i mean you think about sugar flour if you, you know, you got in the woods out here and go hunting, where are you going to get powder from? Yeah. You don't, you can't powderize anything, right? Yeah. So our, our, our biology, that's why we have teeth, right? We have teeth to chew up big hunks of food and swallow it down in about a, you know, a hunk that big, you just swallow it down. So we're never, we never were designed to eat um, powders. And this is the interesting thing because um, these powders have such a high surface area and they're so easily absorbed. We actually absorb more of it than mm-hmm. we're designed to. So if you're eating a lot of powdery foods, guess what? You just you absorb more calories than you otherwise would. So guess what that means? You get fatter, right? Yeah. For less nutrition, you know, overall. And uh, so, and and the, our microbiome, which is you know the bacteria that cover our gut, um, will absorb either more or less depending upon uh, you know you know depending how it's made. So uh, so there, there's all these interactions there. So but whey protein. Animal source proteins, you know, almost almost clearly beat the traditional, uh, you know, any other proteins you'd have. Now they're starting to, to to cleverly make some plant blends where they can approach that, where they're getting pretty close on that. But again, the problem with getting your protein out of protein powder as opposed to a whole food like steak and eggs is you're missing out on all these other nutrients, right? I mean, it's great for protein, but if you're not getting uh, the the fat soluble vitamins. If you're not getting some of the other micronutrition things that come in meat, even cholesterol has been shown to uh, improve anab- anabolism. So there's studies out there that show that um, you know if you eat, if you eat a uh, egg protein with without with the cholesterol removed versus an egg protein with the cholesterol, you'll put on more more muscle if you have the cholesterol associated with it. So I mean it's like yes, there's differences, and then but ultimately the best is just you know. Eat a big old steak. Real food. You know, real, yeah, food. Real, real food. Yeah, I mean, real food. Yeah. It's more satiating, too. You, know, yeah. you think about it. You know, we're going to, we've got uh, four pounds of ribeye to get through when we're done here. So you'll, you'll see. Yeah. Okay. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited for that. Maybe four and a half pounds, something like that. Anyway, we'll crush that. Plus, plus, you know, I follow you on Instagram yeah, and yeah. I see, I see a lot of your shit and I see a lot of stuff that isn't posted from you. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions that I have personally for like the vegans it's not so much the vegetarians it's right. the it's the vegans why is it that they're wanting to take their plants and then make them into like meat yeah. you know you see them take their fucking carrots and and whatever goo and they mix it together and then they put it in like a steak loaf and then they color it and it's like i don't i what, what whatever you choose, whether you're vegan, vegetarian, omnivore, whatever. My question is, why are you trying to make the food that you're eating and turn it into something that you are against? Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, I think it's inherently because 
we're hardwired to eat this stuff. It tastes good. There's a reason steak tastes good yeah. to most of us. I mean, it's like it's viscerally, primitively, primevally satisfying to us. And, you know, a lot of them are, you know, they'll say, well, it's a transition food. It'll get you used to because you're used to eating a steak on a plate. And so we can use it as a transition food. But really, is it they, they just crave this stuff. I mean, it's like I miss this for a reason. I yeah. mean, there's a reason we're, we're hardwired to eat that stuff. And I think that's... Uh, you know, that's the main reason for it. I mean, a lot of those, you know, these, it's interesting, you know, like if you look at all these plant-based garbage foods like this Beyond Meat and Impossible Burgers, I mean, that's never been designed, that's never been intended to feed the vegans. They don't, they, they, a lot of them don't want to eat that anyway. Some of them do. Some of them eat, eat it quite a bit. But it's, it's, it's processed garbage. I mean, it's clearly junk food. Yeah. And, but it's, I mean, they're even, even within their own advertising companies, their strategy is to 95% of that should be sold to meat eaters. And we've largely rejected it. That's why you see Beyond Meat stock just tanking. No one wants to buy it. McDonald's rejected it. It's we, terrible. We, just, we don't want that stuff. No, fuck. no so, we don't want that stuff. So, but I mean, that doesn't stop them. They're going right. to, you know, there's people that are going to force it. Like it was interesting in, um, uh, Cambridge, uh, you know, in, 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 in England, they have a city council that they want to go green. They're going to make vegan day. And so they had this big event where it was like all the food was vegan and they have having to throw it all away, you know, cause it's to save the planet. Yeah. Like, well, to save the planet, you just throw all the food away cause nobody wanted to eat it. Wow. How's that saving the planet? Yeah. You that's just, not... created all this stuff. This, use all these resources and it ended up in the trash can. Wow. So nobody wants to do it. And so it's interesting if you look at like the Eat Lancet Commission, who you know has a global diet for the healthy planet, you know, save the planet, and they say that we realize that most humans will not go along with this. You know, we we if you give the consumers choice, like we have freedom of choice to choose, we're going to choose continue to eat things like meat. Yeah, right. Which is because we're human beings. It's like telling lions, well, you can have soybeans, you can have meat. What do you want? If you give them the choice, <laughs> the lion's always going to eat meat. But they say within that, they say, well, they realize if, if um, you know, people are given free will and free choice, they'll do that. So we might have to change the, change the matrix a little bit. We, 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 we will um, make it too expensive for most people to afford. We may change, you know, uh, import and export laws. We may, um, you know, uh, cause penalties. You know, you pay, pay a carbon tax on your meat, you know, or something. So, so they're going to act and maybe even restrict it, maybe even make it illegal, like you're seeing in some schools where, you know, New York City, largest public school system in the United States, meatless Monday, vegan Friday. It's mandated. Every kid that goes there, even even the kids that are you know on on federal subsistence for or assistance for for school lunch program, yeah, they got to eat a shitty fucking vegan burrito. Dude, I mean, you know, and they, and they don't have a choice. Right? No, that, that's not okay. No, you it's know, not. it's for the no. kids. Right. It's not. They don't have a choice. Right. Oh, Jesus Christ. And it's like I don't understand. This goes back to many, many things that I see now, but it's like I do not understand where the fucking parents are at. Mm. If if my kids were in public school and any one of them come or or Lucas or whoever and is like, Hey hey dad, uh they made me eat, you know, whatever the fuck it is and I have to on Mondays and Fridays yeah. or you know, I gave him some chicken and rice and broccoli or a steak and eggs or mashed potatoes, and he's not allowed to eat it for right. his lunch. Right. I would be going down there and, oh, yeah, and addressing absolutely. this that fucking day, yeah, saying yeah. this is this is unacceptable yep. and unreasonable, and we're, and we're not going to do this. And the parents aren't going to allow you. Mm-hmm. And, and I see that on so many things, right? Not just the food. You see it on almost every issue that we have now. Where the hell are the 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 
the parents. Well, yeah. they're being characterized as you know domestic terrorists now. If they stand up, right? You saw with the school board people complaining about school curriculum, and then you know you've got the Department of Justice sending agents out to harass them. You know, it's like, hey, how dare you question what's being taught and taught in the schools? You're not your your kids aren't yours. They're ours. What we, we're 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 parenting them while in your stead, which is no, that's not the deal. That's right? not yeah. that that's brave new world, more Orwellian shit. Right, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. So, <clears throat> what was your? Did you have like a diet when you were doing rugby? Uh, yeah, I mean, I always ate a lot of protein. I was, you know, you know, muscle protein yeah. is muscle. I mean, that's, I mean, for for the most part, so I've always, you know, I was eating protein powders and eating lots of meat and a lot of milk and eggs and. But I ate a lot of everything. I just did a mixed diet. I mean, I ate a lot of calories. I mm-hmm. mean, I was I was at one point, I was probably, when I was 290, I was probably regularly consuming 8,000 calories a day. Wow. I mean, I would just, I'd go to a restaurant and eat three entrees and dessert and two appetizers. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, that was, that was what I did all the time. Yeah. I was a big guy and I ate a lot. So, I mean, uh, I was never like just... I never had like a pure junk food diet. I wasn't just like sitting there eating bags of right. Cheetos. You're and an stuff athlete. Like that. Yeah, I was an athlete, but... You know, there's, uh, you know, and, and, you know, it's interesting for me because now, now years later, and I'm not like, you know, I'm not 20 anymore, so I still have, you know, some considerations. But for me, keeping it very simple and, uh, you know, eliminating all the junk out of my diet, you know, is, is, is so impactful. It's hugely impactful. And I, to me, I think that meat is the best nutrition you can get. And the more of it you eat, the better you're going to be, you know, and whether you can include a little bit of you know, fruit and whatever in there occasionally or some vegetables if you like them, that's fine. But if you're skimping on meat to eat more vegetables, it's a mistake in my mind. Yeah, I mean, I think you should, you should make sure you get your minimum amount of protein every day met um, and then, you know, and then see what you need for energy beyond that. But yeah. So when I go around and I tell people this, what I've learned through your podcasts and whatnot, uh, most, most think that it's bizarre. However, some of them, and I don't even know if they're vegan or vegetarian, but I have been said, well, red meat's really bad for you mm-hmm. and will give you cancer or colon cancer and, you know, whatever else. What, is, what do you have to say about the people who say that red meat is bad for you? Yeah, well, it's not. I mean, it's clearly not. I mean, you know, so it's interesting, you know, because the whole red meat causes cancer was based on a 2015 uh, commission called the IARC, not only in France, and there was 22 panelists on that. I think there were 22 members on that panel. About a third of them were vegetarian, vegan, Seventh-day Adventist. Seventh, if you don't familiar with the Seventh-day Adventist church, they're very much vegetarian or religious ideology driven towards that stuff. It was not a consensus opinion. A number of the, uh, the uh, members of that, pity, uh, that, that committee, including uh, Professor David Clorfield, said it was a joke. They threw away every study that said that meat didn't cause cancer. So it was, it was very it was a very biased. Um, it was funded by Melinda and Bill, Ga- Bill Gates <laughs> Foundation. Interestingly, nope. that, that kind of tells you everything you need so, to know. So so right you've there. got that bias in there. But I mean, you know, recently University of Washington just came out of the study this year saying red meat and does not cause cancer, does not cause heart disease. All the study previous, all the, it's been based on years of shoddy research. I mean, it's a headline. You yeah, know, I, pu- I published that. Basically, they said because they rely on uh, this the so called epidemiology, which is basically, you know. They give they, they, they sent out a survey to fifty thousand people and say, Hey, what did you eat the last ten years? And 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 then you go, well, I think I ate that you know, you never get that accurate. It's not accurate, it's, it's very poor information. And then you have all these confoundable confounding variables like, well, how many of them smoked? How many of them drink? And it always turns out that the meat eaters drink more, they smoke more, 
Uh, they, you know, whatever. They don't they don't exercise as much because um, people that go on a you know a plant based or a vegetarian diet use their health conscious. Yeah. So they've already selected themselves out, so they're going to be less likely to engage in these bad behaviors. But if you tell somebody you know, hey, eating burgers is bad for you. Meat's bad for you. And you're like, fuck it, I don't care. You're more likely to just not care about anything. Yeah. And so you have this healthy user bias. But when you tease it out, like for somebody like me who cares about my health, I yeah. mean, I, I I have no interest in getting cancer or heart disease. <laughs> I exercise. I take care of myself. I don't drink. I don't smoke. Uh, you know, I train, you know, pretty, pretty, you know, and but I eat a ton of meat. Mm-hmm. And I mean, uh, you know, the studies suggesting that meat, again, like, if you look in the Asian literature, like if you go like Western studies, you know, how, how, does the, how does the average American consume red meat? Well, it's in a form of a McDonald's hamburger, of which, which comes with French fries. And, you know, if they're at Wendy's, it comes with a Frosty. I don't know if McDonald's have a, the equivalent of Frosty. McFlurry, I think. Whatever they got, yeah. right? So it's that plus a Coke. So it's just garbage. But if you look at the Asian population, because in Asia, red meat is not stigmatized. It's considered, oh, that's what rich people eat, right? We yeah. want to eat red meat. And they eat it with, you know, maybe it's vegetable stir fry or they don't have all the crap in there. And so in the red the red meat uh, epidemiology in Asia, they show no relationship. doesn't matter if it's processed meat, doesn't matter if it's red meat, doesn't matter if it's cooked, if it's rare, no, no evidence whatsoever that causes cancer or anything like that. And more importantly, you know, we just got a paper stubbed published uh, by Harvard University last year. And there's another one I'm helping to organize for this year on autoimmune disease. Um, And uh, what they found was, you know, 2000, it was 2029 people on a carnivore diet. Did it, did it from minimum six months. Some people up to 28 years have been doing it. And all the results were across the board, just tremendous improvements in health. And so, so you're saying, well, if meat is so bad for you and the average American, I don't know if you know this, the average American eats, just over two ounces of beef a day. Okay. Two ounces. You know how little that That's is. That's not right? very much at it's all. a tiny amount. That's yeah. how much we eat. And probably 60% of our diet comes from ultra-processed food. And you're like, well, what do you think is more likely to cause disease? Is it the 60% of our diet that's ultra-processed food, or is it two ounces of red meat? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, it's, it's like cl- you know, clearly <laughs> r- ridiculous. Um, the problem is red meat is, you know, you, well, you know, you eat a big old steak, you're pretty full. It's satisfying. It's satiating. So you don't want that other bullshit. Yeah. And, and then there's a lot of people that sell you the bullshit that don't want you eating steak because they're like, no, one's going to buy our bullshit anymore. Absolutely. So it's like, you know, you, you eat that, you fill up, you get nourished and you're like, you're pretty satisfied. And you're like, yeah, I, I don't need that extra stuff. I can skip a meal or something like that. You're not eating six times a day. Like the average American is eating, you know, six meals a yeah, day. All, all day long. I mean, it's graze all. I mean, it's, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner, mornings. They're like hobbits, right? It's Second breakfast or something like that. <laughs> right? right? That's kind of like. And then TV. they got their, their little like, uh. You know, there's some dudes at work, and I'll notice, like, they got, you know, some M&Ms in the top drawer of their toolbox, and yeah. then they got a little Snickers bar over here oh, yeah. and some hard candy that they're sucking on after first break. And I've told them, I said, it might not seem like a big deal mm-hmm. because, you, you know, got a little handful here, and yeah. but you do it every day. Right. And you've been doing this for 25 years every day. Right. And so you look at that little chunk and times it every day by however many days – and, and look at the 55-gallon drums that you've eaten of that right, shit. Right. And, and I just don't think that people realize, you know, a little bit every single day makes a big difference. And it could be from negative things like that or positive things, right. you know? Yeah, if yeah. You, that adds up for sure. It yeah, does. It's like, it's like uh, I think I saw a statistic. Um, the average American is eating somewhere, you know, you know, almost a half a cup of sugar a day. Half a cup. Whoa. Of sugar in all the food, it's because it's in everything. It's in ketchup. It's in bread. It's in cereal. It's in everything you get. It's covered in, cere- in sugar. 
So we eat, we eat a ton of that, and it is something that most people are addicted to. Um, you see, uh, you know, the impacts on just about every disease process there is, including things like dementia, which is kind of interesting. And so, sugars related. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah. So you see, like, um, if somebody has Alzheimer's disease or some other form of de- dementia, they have tremendous problems with brain energy access, and so they become they, they literally become diabetic in their brain. They become insulin resistant in their brain. They become glucose resistant in their brain. And so if you watch like anybody that's dealt with a lot of these older people that are in dementia, all they want to do all day long is eat cookies and cake. So all these old grandmas, oh, look how cute grandma. She just wants cake all the time because she can't fuel her brain anymore. And she's desperately trying to get sugar in there. Wow. Because, and so that's what they have. And they just, you go to these, you know, nursing homes and old folks homes and dementia clinics, they're all sugar addicts. You know, the one thing that concerns me when I see, you know, our current president, Walking around, always eating ice cream. You know, it's like always <laughs> eating. It's rumor he has he has candy stashed everywhere, all over the White House. So, you know, it makes you wonder. It makes one you know speculate about you know how much how much what's going on with the brain physiology there. But clearly, yeah, some people call uh, Alzheimer's disease type three diabetes, and you know you see it all the time. And the sad thing is, it's showing up in younger and younger ages. Just like we're seeing more and more fat kids, yep. more and more diabetic kids. Now we're seeing people with with literally dementia in their forties and fifties. So yep. can you imagine like if you're a twenty year old kid and you're 50 year old dad has dementia now. You got to take best care of friends. Right. You got to, you're over there like making sure he doesn't burn the house down or he's got to live with you now or you got to, you, you know, it's how do you live? I mean, I don't know. Because if you got to pay for it, I mean, I saw stats on it was like something like dementia care, and this is like 10 years ago, $50,000 a year. Uh, that's a lot of money. It's probably, probably close to double that now. You know, with inflation. So it's like, who's got an extra 100K around laying around to pay for dad? You know, so then take care of him. So now you got to live. Now he's got to live with your house. And then how do you work? You know, if you're worried about him burning your kitchen down. Yeah. You know, so it's crazy. It's That's crazy a big times. problem. Yep. I guess I didn't even realize, like, I didn't put it that far ahead. One of my best friends, who's my age, we're in our 30s. His dad's probably, well, he's probably your age. Yeah. Mid 50s. But he has Alzheimer's, dementia, and he's gone downhill really fast in yeah. the last three years. Totally and, avoidable. It's totally preventable. And it's, it's like, man, yeah. it's, it's, it's terrible. So <clears throat> does the carnivore diet, is it only red meat or can you eat chicken or fish or yeah. what is your, what is your thoughts on man, that? Man, if it had a face, you can eat it, man. Okay. That's, that's the deal. But I mean, I'll tell you, most people gravitate towards particularly ruminant meat, red ruminant meat. So, you know, animals with a rumen, so cows, uh, deer, uh, sheep, things like that. Um, you know, but I, you know, some people eat pork, some people eat chicken, some people eat fish. I mean, I do from time to time. I don't only eat steak, but I mostly do. Yeah. And I prefer it. If you give me like, here's a bowl of chicken and here's a bowl, of, you know, here's a steak and here's a, you know, a plate of chicken, I'm going to go with steak every time, okay. every single time. <laughs> um, I think it kind of goes back to, if we look, you know, we, we look at a historical or an evolutionary perspective on this and you say, we know what the technology was, you know, back then they had Spear technology. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and about 80,000 years ago is when we think we started out with the range weapons, with bows and arrows. And the reason for that is thought to be because the big, slow-moving animals were gone, so now we're chasing deer. And you can't, you can't run up to a deer and stack, stick them with a, with a, with a yep. spear, right? So you got to, you got to, you got to, you know. <laughs> Excuse me. You got to throw an addle at them. You got to uh, shoot them with a bow. So prior to that, you know, we hunted these big animals mastodons mammoths you know back in the day when humans were badass yeah right yeah when we were badass right right. so um but you think about how much how much energy you would expend to kill a mammoth right you know it's going to take you 
a half a day, whatever you track them, kill them. They're not, they don't run away. They're not, they don't, they're not scared humans. Yeah. Typically they just kind of look at you. What are you going to do? Puny man. Mm-hmm. Then you pull your spear out and, you know, gig them in the belly. So, I mean, we clearly did that. There's a nice paper uh, called, if you want to read about it, it's called uh, Elephant Hunting in the, I think, Pleistocene or Prehistoric. It's a really good paper. It talks about how we were acquired and how good we were. Humans were excellent hunters. I mean, you think about it, it's our only job. The only job we had was to hunt, and yeah. we were pretty damn good at it. I right? bet. I so, bet. So, but you think about, like, if I'm going to kill an elephant, and I'm going to get 5 million calories, I mean, legitimately, yeah. or I'm going to chase a bird around. With a spear. Mm-hmm. What am I going to do? Yeah. How long is it going to take you to get 5 million calories of birds with a spear? So you went for the easy stuff. We went, okay, we kill all these mammoths. And then the problem with that is, you know, when you kill elephants, particularly baby elephants, the replacement rate is not very fast. And right. so you can wipe them out pretty quick. And that's what happened. So around 120,000 years ago, there started to be a dearth of these animals. And so all of a sudden now humans got to start chasing around um, deer and antelope and all these things. And we lost some of the fat content because, you know, if you, if you kill a big old fat, you know, I don't know how much hunting you do, but you kill a big old fat animal like a, they don't really have, but I mean, an elephant has a lot of fat, but yep. even like our hippo or rhino, which we, we used to eat. Um, now the best we have is a big old fattened cow. I mean, yep. that's the best we can do these days. Um, versus a lean wild animal, there's no fat and you can't live on just no fat. So you got to have, that's why a lot of wild animals will go for the, the guts first because that's where the fat is. You know, if you, you know, if you got an animal, there's no, there's no fat in the legs and chest. It's all inside the belly. So they'll go in there and get as much fat as they can, and then they'll leave the lean meat for us. And so as we ran out of energy, then we started, well, now we got to fucking find energy from somewhere else. So we're going, well, we, we can grind up some of these plants. <laughs> and so that's how, that's, that's really, that's literally how the human humans sort of evolved historically. And once we switched over to agriculture, humans shrank about six inches. Our brains dropped about 200 cc's. Our teeth went to shit. Our bone structure got weaker. I mean, because you look at fossils from, you know, pre-agriculture, and the humans are just jacked, robust people. And then you look at after agriculture, and they all became frail, weaker and more frail. So we are literally meant to be out there killing animals and eating meat like friggin' Vikings, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. that's what we're supposed to be, right? I, that's it. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. The the I have a book, and I got it. I don't know five years ago or something, but it's called like the modern day Viking or something. Mm. And in there, it just kind of, it takes the, the 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 lifestyle of a Viking and then puts it into modern day, right? right. And one of the things is like always, is, in big bold letters, it's we only eat things with faces. Right, yeah. And the carnivore diet's that. I think it's a, I think it's a high protein, high saturated fat, right, yeah. low carb diet. Right, yeah. And... I mean, that's really what, what I've been on for a while, too. People yeah, ask me, yeah. oh, are you on a diet? It's like, yeah. I'm not, no. I just eat a lot of protein, right, yeah. a lot of things with high saturated fat, not trans right. fat. Because I think a lot of people see or hear fat, and that's instantly bad. Right. And uh, low carbs, unless I'm going to, kind of like Greg, unless I'm going to be doing like a lot of rolling on a Friday night, yeah. I'll, I'll sometimes have apple or right, whatever sure, it is. Sure. So what is the... What is the difference between a grass-fed beef and grain-fed beef? Well, I mean... I mean, obviously, uh, I know the you, difference. The marketing differences are kind of interesting because grass-fed can... You know, get it on the label. You go to a grocery store and it says grass-fed, you, you don't know what you're getting, to be honest. I mean, it means grass access. It means they, they can... If they want to eat grass, they can. Most likely, they'll be supplemented. You know, you know, in, in the wintertime in Montana, where are they going to get grass from? Yeah. No, they're not. So, I mean, it's like, you know, they're, they're, it's, it's kind of a, a, a deal there. 
Um, I eat both for the record. I mean, um, I, I've been looking at this for, you know, close to 10 years now. And in humans, the people that eat grass-finished beef versus grain-finished beef, the outcomes aren't really significantly different from my experience. So I don't really worry about it too much. Yeah. Um, I do realize that, you know, and it's not just grass-finished because you can, I mean, when you talk about an environmental piece, if your rancher just says, go eat grass, and, and, and they call it the Columbus method. They go out, let them go in May, and they go they go find their cows in October, right? Just, where the hell they go? I don't know. They will do whatever they have. If you don't manage them very specifically, then that's actually more environmentally damaging than sticking them in a feedlot. So, but if you manage them well, and you, 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 you know, you rotationally graze them, and you move, you, you're going to graze this acre today, and tomorrow you're grazing this acre, and they keep moving them day in and day out, then that's really good for the environment. It causes you know, all this biodiversity to come back. And so that's really the best way to do it. So, I mean, I don't think it has much of an in, impact health-wise. Now, there may be some, maybe something will come out. There's a guy named St- Stefan Van Vliet out of University of Utah. He used to be out at Duke, and I've interviewed Stefan a couple of times. Um, and he's doing research looking at, you know, grass finishing and how it has impacts on certain health markers. You know, so far, we haven't seen. There was a study out of uh, Texas A&M, you know, about 10 years ago now, where they compared people eating ground beef that was grass fed, grass finished, and ground beef that was finished on grain. And all cows are grass fed, right? They all start on pasture. Mama cow, baby cow, walking around six months, eight months, nine months a year, and then they go to the feedlot three months and they fatten up, right? Yep. Um, and so the study out A and M showed no difference in outcomes. It was like it was literally actually the grain fed was even a little better depending on the markers they use, like triglycerides and blood pressure and things like that. But um, you know it's. I don't worry too much about it. I tell people eat what you can afford. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's far better you eat, uh, a, a, you know, a, a grain finished, you know, hamburger from Walmart than you go and eat the Oreos and all the other bullshit in there. It's still gonna be it's still gonna be so much better for you. Now, um, you know, if the science changes and they say, hey, look, we're seeing a different, a significant difference, then I'll certainly reflect that. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, so I'm just like I'm just gonna say what it is. I, I'm not. I don't have an agenda. I mean, I, I believe in regenerative agriculture. I think we should definitely do it. I think it has a huge benefit to the environment, not just to you know make a sustainable meat, but I think this is a good idea. Yeah. But I'm not gonna like lie and tell people, oh, it's so much better for your health when I know it's not. Right. Right. So no. I, so so I mean, I uh, you know I, I talk about this stuff all the time. Some people get really mad about it, but I'm like, at the end of the day, just eat more meat wherever you can get it right now because there's a lot of people in the world where they just they don't have access to it, you know, and, and you know, um, I, like if you go to like uh, White Oaks Pasture, which you may have heard of, he was on Rogan, you know, mm-hmm. Will Harris, I interviewed Will a few years ago. Um, Where's he at? He's in Bluffton, Georgia. Okay. So, I mean, there's, I've, I've talked to almost every big name regenerative farmer on the planet I've, I've interviewed. Okay. I, I support these guys wholeheartedly. Um, but a lot of people can't afford it. They can't afford 30 bucks a pound for, for a steak. I mean, yeah. it's just out of their budget. And yeah. I'm like, well, shit. Go to Walmart and buy the buy the hamburger for four bucks a pound. Mm-hmm. That is acceptable. That's completely you know from a health standpoint. Now, if you want to save the planet and be an environmental crusader and you got the wherewithal and the and the income to do it, then by all means, go support these guys. But right. Not everybody's in that situation right now. Now you can, like I said, I got you know I got a, I got a grass finished uh, half a cow, you know, uh, you know, a side of beef in my freezer now. So I got locally here from got it from Forest Beef, you know, here and uh, had it processed up in Stanwood. Yeah. Up at, know, the, up at Savannah Butcher? Yeah, yeah, Savannah, oh. yeah, I had a process up there, and I've got it, and I still eat on that. But I get a mix of everything. I get a lot of, you know, 
the, the funny, the nice thing about being so such an advocate for beef, you know, and, and on social media and having a decent following, ranchers just send me. Shit. I bet, I bet you get free beef all the time. I get a lot of free beef, yeah. which I can't. I'm not going to complain about. <laughs> I'm not, yeah, I'm going to say not everybody has access to that, but I'm not going to not eat it. I of mean, course not. I'm, I'm like, you know, somebody sends me a nice steak. I'm like, thank you. I'm going to eat it, and I hope you sell a bunch of them. Yeah, right. Yeah, fucking a. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Okay, so even like your even your low grade. The lowest fucking grade that you can get at the store is right. still better than your box of Oreos oh, and your Marie Calendar's pop pie or oh, whatever absolutely. the fuck 100%, it is. 100%. Yeah, absolutely it is. And so you shouldn't let cost be a, uh, a, a, a disincentive to do this. I mean, you literally, if you're eating like, let's say an average size dude is going to eat about two pounds of meat a day. So, you know, you could say I'm going to eat a pound of beef and a dozen eggs or something like that. I mean, you, get, you know, even egg prices are going up. You can still make that work for under ten bucks, probably or right around ten bucks right now. You know, it's done. you know, God, I hope the damn inflation settles down. <laughs> Fucking it's killing everybody, bad. man. Yeah, it is. But then, you know, uh, you could go to like Jack in the Box and get a number seven combo, and it's gonna come out to like almost fifteen bucks now. Mm-hmm. So if you're gonna do that, might as well. I know this because I was working um, that job. I told you. Okay. At lunchtime, people would go, you know, go get McDonald's or whatever it is. Right. Well, QFCs are right there, and I'd go into QFC and I'd get, you know, I'd make like a fresh deli sandwich or whatever it was, and I they'd come back and they'd always ask me like, how much was all that? Mm-hmm. I don't fucking know, ten, 10 bucks or mm-hmm. twenty bucks if I bought some other shit. Mm-hmm. And they're like, dude, my combo was like fifteen dollars. Yeah. And I'm like, you're going to fucking Jack in the Box, getting the shittiest food you can right, get, right. and you're spending the same amount as me. Mm-hmm. It's it's not so much a is it so much a, a currency or a money issue, or is it a like a priority or lifestyle change? Yeah, yeah. well, it's, it's taste too. I mean, there's, I mean, literally, and you know, as a surgeon, I literally cut people's legs off that were rotting off. And I said, you know, you got to change your diet. And they wouldn't. They just, I, you know, I cut my leg off. You know, <laughs> you know they're, they're, that's they're, some people are so addicted to this stuff and they can't stop with that. And I mean, you, but you can go. I mean, you literally can go into Wendy's and order burger patties just by themselves. Nothing else. Plain burger patties, about a buck, you know, buck fifty a patty or something like that. You get, you know, you get six of those. That's a, that's a that's a pound and a half of cooked hot meat that somebody else prepared for you for under ten bucks. You know, it's like nine bucks. Yeah. That's not a bad meal. I mean, that's that's a decent meal. I mean, that's you know, I mean, even a pound is a, is a, is a lot. You know, go four burger patties. That's six bucks. Yeah, yeah, you can do I it. Mean, you can do it. I mean, you can, you can do definitely it. do it. And and it's you know that's the thing because we, we have all these people talking about food deserts. And I mean, literally, um, you've got all because you know obesity disproportionately strikes the impoverished, right? I mean, because these days it used to be you know if you're impoverished in Africa you're you know a big swollen belly because you had protein malnourishment you're dying. But yeah. now all the poor people are just ginormous. They're huge fat people because all they're eating is, you know, cheap junk food. They're eating potato chips and cookies. And, you know, you go to Walmart and you see, you know, here's, you know, a jumbo box of Oreos for, you know, two for one or something like that. And you say, oh, I'll buy those and eat all those. And it's just, it's so sad, our, our, our uh, food environment in this country. It's just awful. I agree. Okay, so one last thing before we get to the end of the podcast and go mow down on some steak. <laughs> what made you i mean you've been an athlete you said that you've broken some world records on rowing is that is that what it was yeah i mean i've had some powerlifting world records as a world champion in highland games set a world record in that that sport and then i went on a rower and broke three world records in that one yeah so okay so then you've accomplished all of that and somewhere along the lines you decided you were going to start training jujitsu yeah how did that come about 
Well, I mean, I, I've always kind of thought about it. I, you know, I, I boxed a little bit when I was in college, you know, but I've always thought, well, you know, this martial arts sounds pretty good. And, you know, you see it's, it's everywhere now. Everybody's watching it. And I thought about it about five, six years ago. And there was a guy, he's a, he's a professional MMA fighter, Georgia Carhanian. Um, he fought in Bellator. And he was like, hey, man, can I go to your house and train with you? Okay. Because he was doing a carnivore diet at the time. And he still does. He's still a big carnivore advocate and fought pro MMA as a carnivore. And I said, okay, yeah, come over. Come, sure, come to my house. We'll train. Yeah. And we started talking. He says, hey, you want me to show you how to do jujitsu? I said, yeah, okay, why not? Let's go do it. So I went up there and, you know, went up there and rolled with him and had an absolute blast. It was just so fun. You know, it was just, it was like, this is totally, totally cool. And um, I was thinking about, you know, because I, you know, I, you know, I, 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 you know, had all these different sports where I've exceed, you know, I've excelled at one world championships. And I get bored of them. Like rowing, I was like, I did it for like seven years pretty consistently. I'll still hop on there every once in a while. And like right now, I just screwed around. I'm number one in the world in, in you know, 50 plus for one of the events. I just like, ah, jump on there and do it. And I got number one in the world. Because <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't have to put that much effort in, you know, because I take care of myself. And yeah. I'm not like most 50 year olds are falling to shit, you know, yeah. they're falling apart. Um, and so it's like, you know, you, you start a new challenge and it's exciting because you suck and I, I definitely suck at jujitsu, but, but we all do, yeah, we, but, but you get better and it's, it's really exciting. You get impassioned by it. Like, whereas rowing, I mean, for me to get better at rowing, even, even to improve my times by, you know, a, a 10th of a second is a Herculean task. I mean, it's like so much effort and training and, you know, blood, sweat and tears just to improve by a 10th of a second. I'm like, all right, I've already got the world record. I'm already a world champion. I'm kind of a little bit bored with this, to be honest. Yeah, the hunger's right. The hunger's gone, you know. And so, so now it's like with jujitsu, and that's the thing that kind of bums me. I keep, hopefully, when Greg opens the downstairs and he has a noon class, I'll be there, you know, several times a week, so I can because that's my because I, you know, it's hard to get good if you're not there all the time. That's and, the that's and, the issue, right? And so, you know, and he, well, you saw it's a little bit of a drive out here. You know, it from, is from where it from where it is, and so, um, yeah, I just I just so yeah, so so I was thinking about doing CrossFit. I was like, well. I'm, Maybe I'll do CrossFit because that looks cool. Because I kind of train a little bit like that way anyway. I do a lot of I'm real good at rowing, and and you know some of the events I'd be good at, some I'd suck at. And I went. I was in California at the time, and I went to this CrossFit gym that was just down the street. It was a pretty solid CrossFit gym. And literally like two weeks after I signed up, the COVID lockdown hit, and they were like, "Well, we can do it at home, you know, with our with our online Zoom class." I was like, "That's bullshit." <laughs> we're not doing jujitsu on Zoom, right? And then they and then they brought it in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fucking. <laughs> And wow. Then, you know, and then they brought it, you know, then they let people come in, but you had to, they wanted you to stand in a little box and wear a mask. And I'm, I'm not doing that bullshit. I'm just not doing it. Fuck yep. this stuff. I'm going to go do something else. So then I got into the jiu-jitsu stuff. And it was kind of funny because I started out in California at the Gracie Baja facility, the, the headquarters. Okay. And, you know, good people there. Good, you know, I, you know, I, did, I was there for about two, three months before I moved up here. And I remember it was during the COVID and they had everybody stand outside, you know, in line, <laughs> like standing social distance. And then we get inside and sweat all over each other. Oh, I, was like, I was just like, what? Because it was all for a show outside. Yeah. It's like people are driving, ooh, they're following it. But as soon as you get in there, you're like, you're swapping spit with, you know, you basically got people spitting in your mouth and yeah. sweating all over you. And some people even grossed out about this by jujitsu. But, you know, you're very in, it's, intimate. It's about in, as intimate as you can get without having sex. 100%. Okay, right? <laughs> that, that's, I'm like, well, it's my wife and all the dudes at jujitsu. Right, they, yeah. They're the ones who rub nipples with right, me right, and exactly. get our yeah. lips on each other yeah. and all all that shit, yep. but it's under different circumstances. Exactly. I was actually just telling, there was a new guy uh, last Wednesday or something. It was his first day, and I was training with him, and we were doing, I think, butterfly sweep, and you'd end up in mount once you, once right. you swept yeah, them yeah, over. Right. 
And every time he'd land in to mount me, he's definitely, he's not doing, like, he's not sitting down properly, right? Mm-hmm. He's kind of, there's air between his right. ass and my belly. And get out, yeah. And I keep telling him, like, dude, when you get to mount, you need to, like, suck your legs in. There should be right. no space. Right, right. And I can tell in his, just by his demeanor, He's uncomfortable. Like, this is weird. Yeah. And I immediately tell him, I said, look, you're going to have to get used to this intimateness with with another dude who's a stranger. Right. Every single straight guy in here has to go through this, okay? We all gone through it. However, it will only be gay until you're the one kicking their ass. Yeah. You know, like uh, you get to North South or something and they're they're dropping pretty much their nutsack on your chin. Yeah. And it's like... Ugh. But I guess if you're gonna kill them, it's not. To me, it's like no, nah, it's not gay at all. We're fucking fighting, and once I once I take your your soul, yeah. that's not gay at all. That's a yeah. warrior right there. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the intimateness is I think something that, for one, the dudes have a really rough time with on the other dude. But then for the women, like after talking to Christy and Rachel, mm-hmm. you know, women have a hard time with it too, with a bunch of strange men right, that right. they've never met being that intimate on them as well right right so it's just a interesting well, thing you know so, but you know a lot of women they got some big sweaty guys sweating all over their face it's like eh, they're yeah. not used to that for yeah. sure and i mean because i had grown up you know i mean all like rugby you know contact i mean running is, and so I, I i like that i mean it's just fun for me you know yeah. it's just kind of like you do that but i like as far as jujitsu the just the mental aspect and you know being very comfortable being in a very uncomfortable position you know you got somebody that's got you on a, a nice tight side control and you're like and they're trying to, you know, and you're just like, okay, how do I just relax enough to figure out how I get out of here? Mm-hmm. And, and that's really fun. I mean, it's, it really is. I mean, it, I, is. You know, it sucks to be on the bottom, right? I mean, okay. no one wants to be there, but, you know, once you get there and you once you realize you can stop panicking yeah. and you figure out, okay, and, I, you know, like I said, I've got a lot of things to learn. I mean, I've got the advantage that I can use a little bit of strength and, and that type of stuff, which, you know, makes sense. I mean, no, it makes sense. Use it. It's like saying if you're fast, don't don't go fast. Yeah, no, that's it's bullshit. Like, right, yeah, absolutely right, use right. those those God-given talents right. or well, their yeah, attributes. Yeah, you work for them, you know, so it's it's one of those things. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, you know, just talking makes me, you know, thinking about getting back there. So it's it's a lot of fun. That's so, good. Absolutely. You said uh, how much how much longer do you think till you'll be able to come back? Well, I'll be back Monday. I mean, I think I think as far as um, you know, rolling probably another week beyond that. I'd say I'll probably do another week of just drilling and, mm-hmm. and then get back there and rolling. Because I, I mean, I, I had some you know, because I like I, I don't know we didn't mention this, but I kind of hurt my knee a little bit, and it was like a it was like a small maybe partial quad tendon injury, and I didn't want to turn it into a full thickness tear because that's a disaster. That's that's a year yeah. a year out, and so I was like, let me just you know kind of work this. And so I've been you know I'm, I've been working. I've been, training hard my, my everything's getting stronger the only thing i was waiting for is my ability to like explosively utilize that leg like jumping like right. if i can jump off one leg to a reasonable you know as good as my other leg then i'm like okay i'm good because as you know in jiu-jitsu it's very unpredictable the yep. gym i can control what's going to happen i know what i'm going to do i know what i'm asking myself but in jiu-jitsu you don't know what's going to happen it's yep. like shit some guy turns a funny way or you're like whoa so you got to be able to, you got to be able to react to that stuff and so um yeah i feel like it's you know um I'd say it's like 98% of the way there. So I'm thinking a week and I'll be, I'll be back to, and I'll probably start like, like kind of little pussy rolls. It's like, you know, kind of, uh, hey, I'm going to go in a little bit slow this yeah. first week and maybe, maybe not do a full session and then, and then go from there. But yeah, like I said, I, I think for me, I mean, realistically, because the night class for me is tough because, um, you know, 
by the time I get here, it's like 8.30, 8.45 at night, and, you know, you miss dinner, the family. Yeah. And I, keep, I get the evil eye every of time course. I leave. Like, you want to jiu-jitsu again? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know yeah, how that goes. Do it. Yeah, so anyway, I think once, you, once, once we have access to, to a noon class for me, and Greg said he's going to teach it, so I'm excited about that. I'll, I should be able to hit, you know, at least three days a week, which, yeah. which is what I need to, to get better. To right? get better. Right. I mean, yeah. you're, you're, you will go up exponentially by yeah. putting in, yeah. you know, those, those three, those three classes. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu is just something I tell this a lot with the kids, parents, mm-hmm. is it's almost not fair to bring your kid here once a week or once every other week. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, we want to bring him, you know, when we can. I said, I, I get that. And I'm not telling you not to. However, unlike other sports, if you go play basketball or baseball or golf, if you fuck up or you suck, you just don't make the basket. You make a miss or whatever. When you suck at jujitsu, you're getting your ass kicked. And it sucks really bad. And so it's not the child's fault. It's that, and I get it. Like, you know, you do, I'm not saying don't bring him there. However, you just got to put in more time one hour. I think because it's so, I don't think people realize how like mentally challenging it is. It's not just two fucking guys going ape shit on each other. You know, there's massive amounts of mental strategy or tactics going on. And that just takes a long ass time. You know, some, some of these other, I think it might've been Greg. I was talking to about Taekwondo that a blue belt in jiu-jitsu is essentially takes the same amount of time to get a blue belt in jiu-jitsu as it does almost a black belt in Taekwondo. And it's like, are you serious? Well, it's because of how in-depth it is, you know? Yeah, and I like that. I mean, I think it should be. I mean, I thought black belt should be someone who is an absolute master of, of, of whatever skill. And, you know, the black belts will tell you, I still don't know it all. Yeah. I have a long way to go, and it's it's infinite. And, yeah, I mean, like like I said, you know, you know, even if you get good enough to where you like you win the round or you submit somebody, it just goes right back. You got to do it again. Yeah. You know, it's like in something different. It never stops. And yeah. so you just kind of like, you know, there's all these different. And the fun thing is, you know, like with, with some sports, um, like for instance, rowing, I mean, it's always me against a machine. It's always the same damn thing. There's no variety there. It's like, and I, it's nice because I can objectively measure how I'm doing. But when you get in there and you've got, you know, one guy who's, you know, He's his his specialty is this, and one guy, and their body types are different. It's fun. I mean, yeah. it's just like how the hell do you figure these people? It's so out? different, right? It is a lot of fun. Yeah, I used to have such a hard time with big guys. Yeah, it was like as long as we were within like twenty to thirty pounds, I could hold my own. Yeah, but if they were more than thirty pounds, it's like I couldn't figure out what to do. Uh, you know, Mike Novak by any chance? Yeah, yeah, okay, Novak, yeah. So he hadn't, he doesn't train as much as us, but he's strong motherfucker and, you know, blast past my guard and he's passing me. And I remember just thinking like, I can't do anything. Mm -hmm. All my, here I am every fucking day. He's he was a wrestling background too, right? And I'm like, dude, I put in at this time, this was probably two or three years ago. Mm -hmm. Like I'm here all the fucking time. He is not here all the time. He shouldn't be able to do that to me. I remember asking Greg, and he's like, bro, there's human beings out there that are strong, they're fast, they wrestled, they have 100 pounds on you. He goes, to be honest, it's just skill. It's just skill level. Once your skill level gets to a certain point, there's always going to be anomaly in this world, right? You can't say it 100%. But for the most part, once you're up to, I would say, 
halfway through your purple belt. Mm-hmm. At least at Greg's gym. I don't know other other gyms, but at least at Greg's gym, halfway through your purple belt, you should be able to beat ninety nine point nine percent of all people walking into that gym who have never trained before. No, oh, yeah, sure, yeah. So, yeah. Well, we're coming up on an hour. I'm getting hungry. Do you have any last? Uh, you have any last words? Last words. Well, I mean, I just think you know, I don't know, you know, who your audience is, but I think you know by now most people should realize you start questioning things and 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 don't hold, uh, you know, near and dear to your heart some some things because they're not always true. And I think that's something that I've discovered. Even you know, even late in life, I mean, stuff I had believed my whole life was like. Seem really true when you actually test it. So yeah. test your own things. You know, I think, you know, when it comes to health, this is, I mean, because I, I focus on health, there's a lot of controversy in the world, politics, you know, whatever, climate change, all this stuff. People are like, you know, I can't really confirm or deny that stuff. I can't, there's no way for me to go outside and stand outside and say, wow, it looks like the climate's changing, or wow, the climate's not changing, you know, and the weather changes, right? It's cold today, it's hot today, but I can't do that. But what I can do is assess my own health very yeah. easily. I mean, I can look in the mirror. I can I can see how I feel. And so trust trust your gut when it comes to health. I mean, there's a, there's a lot more because we get people in there that'll come in and, you know, they go to the doctor and the doctor run a bunch of labs and say, well, um, your labs all look great. Nothing wrong with you. And you know, there's, you know that's not the case. Or the converse of the people say, well, this lab looks a little odd, but I'm like, I feel as good as I felt in 20 years. Well, there's something there. So, I mean, you, you just, I think there's a lot of, um, health paradigms that need to be challenged and we're challenging them and we'll see, we'll see what happens. So cool. And for any of the listeners who are interested in what you have to offer, where can they find you at? Uh, so if you want to just talk to me directly every day, I'm, um, at carnivore.diet. This is a website we do right now. Uh, I'm there every day, seven days a week. I do a one hour meeting, meeting with people. So you can come in and join and just shoot the shit, ask me questions. Uh, I've got social media, obviously. So on, on Instagram, it's uh, Sean, S-H-A-W-N, Baker, B-A-K-E-R, 1967. So Sean Baker, 1967. Uh, I'm on YouTube, Sean Baker, MD. I'm on TikTok, Sean Baker, MD. And I'm on Twitter at S Baker, MD. Um, and, you know, we're making efforts to, to grow those pretty, pretty, pretty aggressively right now. So very you know, cool. Yeah. Uh, and you're you have a Rivera website? Website Rivera.com. Yeah, we will launch officially. We're in the middle of built. We, we've hired a bunch of software engineers. We're hiring physicians. We're we're hiring you know a whole a team whole team for that, uh, and that will probably we'll probably start accepting patients probably late spring, early summer. I'm, I'm anticipating depending how we get these next few months go. But yeah. Um, yeah, so if you're if you have health issues and you want to like I said and you're tired of the system of more pills and you know, and want somebody that actually can hopefully get you off those meds and fix your problem. That's you can go Rivero.com. And I'll attest, you have you have a man here who's in the fucking best shape I could you could be in. You know how how you said you're fifty six. I turned fifty six the other day. Yeah, fifty six yeah. years old, a you know, fucking strong, athletic, high energy, fucking stud of a man. Yeah, appreciate. It. Well, yeah. like a lot, and for the guys who don't know, Tyler is in shape too. <laughs> solid dude. Yeah. Well, I try, right? Yeah. So you just, just all that blacksmithing, man. It's right? the blacksmithing. It's you, the. You, did you work out too? You some training? No, really? No. You're just Jack, man. You're just naturally Jack. Dude, uh, I, I. So at work, I, it's a lot of lifting, just because yeah. it's not a, right. in the shape of a dumbbell, right. a no, piece I, of fucking no, I I beam it, yeah. or C channel. Right. When I had to pick up 
150 pieces in my eight hour shift and they're 20 feet long yep. and that's a lot of deadlifts that's a lot of fucking shoulder right. shrugs right. and then beings that i live on you know a wooded property and i don't have a tractor uh that fucking axe of mine and that chainsaw and my two little arms and legs do a, a lot of yeah. fucking chopping wood and yeah. i just don't think people realize that um I would go to the gym if I wasn't doing all of it. Like, yeah, yeah, you're too busy. I mean, you don't need to. I mean, you're already you're in great shape. So, I mean, it's just kind of like, and it kind of goes back to, you know, you think about humans 100 years ago, 200 years ago, where no one had all these modern conveniences where you, if you want to eat, you better figure out how to feed yourself and, and all those types of stuff. So it's, uh, you know, I think how humans sh should be built. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah. I was doing something the other day. I was chopping wood. And I was taking the pieces I needed to move the the chopped wood to a different pile. I didn't want to carry each one. So I just started putting it like a shot put, right? Okay. And fucking shot putting them. I realized I was doing that for like an hour and a half. Yeah. I got this big ass pile. And then I'm like, hey, this this directly simulates what they're doing at the CrossFit gym when they're throwing the ball against the wall. Right. Yeah. It's just yeah. they don't have a piece of wood to throw into a pile. Right. So, right. Yeah. hey, this is it. There you go. Good All right, you. guys. Well, that's the end of this show. We'll be back next week. Um, I will make sure to drop all the links to get a hold of everyone below um, on the show notes. And with that being said, have a good day. Later, guys. All right. All right.